In the name of Jesus, who is the refuge for the weary, their fellow redeemed. I expect it's happened to all of us on occasion. Thought the day was a nice day when all of a sudden we're caught in a storm. For me, it happened just last week. I was out fishing with my brothers in Minnesota. Gentle breeze on the water. All of a sudden, the wind shifts. The white caps come up. The rain comes down in sheets, and we are soaked before we get to the dock. I expect everyone has a story of getting caught in a storm, maybe even a life-threatening storm, right? A tornado takes the roof off your house or your, your boat is swamped by the waves. Storms can add a lot of stress to our lives. They can leave us feeling afraid, alone, and, and ultimately craving a, a shelter from the storm. We realize that's true not only with physical storms in life, but also true of the emotional storms we sometimes have to endure. Times when out of the blue, something unexpected rises. Maybe you've had a job at a place for many, many years, and all of a sudden they decide to go in a different direction, and man, you're, you're out of a job. Or the person that you thought loved you suddenly says he or she doesn't anymore. Or the person you've been married to your whole life passes on. These all create storms, emotional storms. We can feel battered by these and, and feel lost and, and afraid and alone and ultimately, again, craving a shelter from the storm. My friends, in our study of God's Word today, we're going to draw some parallels between a physical storm that the Apostle Paul endured on the Mediterranean Sea and the various emotional storms that we sometimes have to endure in our hearts and lives. We'll draw some parallels and focus on the one person who can provide us with relief who can provide us with a refuge from those storms. Our simple theme today is this. In the storms of life, God is our refuge. While storms impact our lives in various ways, the fact is God and His promises give us hope. The account that we have before us is recorded in the second to the last book of the book of Acts, second to the last chapter of the book of Acts. Paul has already gone on three missionary journeys, and now he is under arrest by the Roman governor because he's preached the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And he's being transported on a ship from Jerusalem to Rome where he will stand trial before Caesar. Well, as the ship goes across the sea, it runs into some real problems. Luke, the writer of the book of Acts, who was on this ship, records the events this way. When a gentle south wind began to blow, 
they saw their opportunity, namely the sailors saw their opportunity, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed by to the lee of the small island called Kauda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure, so the men hoisted aboard. Typically, the, the, the lifeboat was trailed behind the boat, but because it was slamming against the ship, they, they had to pull it on board. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. It was literally coming apart at the seams. They're trying to hold it together. Because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis, that'd be northern Africa, they lowered the sea anchor. That's like a, a canvas funnel that they dragged under the boat to kind of slow it down. And let the, the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Tell me, do you see any parallels between that physical storm and the emotional storms that we sometimes face in life? I do. First, that storm was very unexpected, right? It started with a gentle breeze and ended up as a hurricane. Kind of like when we go into the doctor's office for a regular checkup and come out with a diagnosis of cancer. Or, or when we think our finances are fine and then we realize that we've been a victim of identity theft and our whole life saving is gone. Those kinds of unexpected things create storms in our lives and in our hearts. And oftentimes our first reaction to those storms is to say something to the effect of, well, I, I'll, I'll take care of this, kind of like the sailors did, right? We're, we're, we're experts. We, we've got this. We'll batten down this lifeboat. We'll, we'll run ropes under this. We'll be fine. Sometimes we treat the storms the same way. Oh, I'll, I'll be fine as long as I can stay in my routine. You know, I'll just have to make sure I still get good sleep and good eats and, and meditate. Then, then, then I'll handle this storm. But what happens when the storm lasts longer than we thought? What happens when it's stronger than we thought? What happens when we, like those sailors, start to lose our bearings and don't realize whether we're, we're coming or going. What happens when it's just overwhelming? What happens is, what happens to a lot of people, they begin to lose hope, just like these sailors did. Luke tells us, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. The question is, what will keep that from happening to you? I mean, when the storm in your life lasts longer and it goes stronger than you ever expected, how are you going to deal with it? 
How will you maintain hope? The answer is the same way that the Apostle Paul maintained his hope, and that's by clinging to the promises of God. You see, while it's true that storms impact our lives, in the end, God and His promises give us hope. Isn't that what made the difference in Paul's life? I mean, Paul was on the same ship that everybody else was on, right? He was in the middle of the same storm. He was in the seemingly dire straits that everybody else was in. Well, then why was he the one saying, take courage when everyone else was losing hope? Because he was clinging to a promise that God had made to him. He shares that with the, the, the rest of the people on the boat. He says, I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Now, how, how did Paul know that? How did Paul know that not one of them would be lost? Because, he goes on to explain, last night an angel of God, the angel of the God whose I am and who I serve, stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. In other words, God had made a very specific promise to Paul, the promise that he would stand trial before the Caesar in Rome, which means Paul could not die in this storm because God had already made a date for him with the Caesar. And it was that promise that gave him courage and hope in the face of a storm. Now contrast Paul's attitude in the middle of that storm with the attitude of the disciples in the middle of the storm that we read in our gospel lesson. When they're all caught in the storm in the Sea of Galilee, they're terrified. They're sure they're going to drown. In fact, they're, they're upset that they think Jesus is going to let them drown. But after Jesus gets up and rebukes the wind and quiets the storm, what does he say to them? He says, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Now, with those words, Jesus is not accusing them of not believing in him as their savior from sin, more he's chiding them for not believing all of the other promises that he had made to them. See, he had already promised them that he was going to make them fishers of men. Well, how would they become fishers of men if they were all at the bottom of the Sea of Galilee? That would not work. They should have clung to God's promise, and that would have given them courage even in the midst of their storm. If you think about it, isn't the same thing true for you and me? I mean, God has made us some amazing promises to empower us, to enable us to, to handle the storms in our lives. Now, maybe he doesn't come to us in the middle of the night with an angel and tell us that we've got a date with a Caesar. But he still makes us lots of promises, and he makes them and he records them right here in his word. For example, in Hebrews 13, 
God promises, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Even if your spouse decides to leave you, God won't. God's going to walk with you every step of the way. God promises that in all things, he works for the good of those who love him. That means even when we lose our job or our health or our loved one, God's still going to use it for a good purpose as he leads us to trust in him and and thank him for what we have and not what we don't have. And and even when those trials are, are painful, God makes us the promise that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts. There's the key, isn't it? God has poured out his love into our hearts. Even in the midst of storms, even when those storms are ones that we created by our refusal to let the argument die and therefore just keep the pot stirred and the storm going, by our refusal to be a peacemaker, which then creates more conflict at work, by our refusal to simply let God handle it and instead we decide we need to worry about it, all these things create storms in our lives. And yet in spite of what we're doing, God still loves us, he forgives us, And he assures us that we are his children in Christ. What did John say? How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Isn't that what ultimately gives us shelter from the storm? The knowledge that in Christ we're all right with God. We, we belong to God. We're in God's good hands. In fact, isn't that exactly what Paul confesses here in our text? Did, did you catch it? When he's talking to the sailors, what, what does he say? He says, last night, an angel of the God whose I am. Even though Paul knew that he had done plenty of things that had separated him from God throughout his life, he also knew that God had bought him back with the blood of Jesus God had made him his own, and that's what gave him hope. Again, isn't the same thing true for you and me? I mean, even though we've done plenty of things that separated us from God, God continues to love us. He holds us as his own. He's made us right in his eyes, and and that's what puts our hearts at rest. That's what gives us shelter from the storms. Whether they're the storms that are are going on in our world around us, (laughs) as our world gets more and more opposed to God and and his will for our lives, or whether the storms are are going on inside of us, that, that, that conflict between our new man and our old man, the fact is it is God's unbreakable promises of his unconditional love in Christ that gives us refuge 
from all the storms, no matter how bad they are. God once said, Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. The bottom line is this. God never promised that he would spare us from all the physical storms in life, right? Our picnic may still get rained up. And he did not promise that he would spare us from every emotional storm in our lives. In fact, Scripture says we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. What God did promise you, what what you can build your faith on in life and in death, is that in Christ your sins are forgiven. By God's grace, you're his child. And God is going to use everything in your world to serve your eternal good. My friends, it's that rock-solid foundation that gives you refuge, a shelter from the storm on both sides of the grave. You are in God's arms. God grant it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Please stand.